Yeah, one of my core values, I mean, I have three core values, and one of them is no doubt about being grateful. The other one is oneness, trying to connect people. And so I think of it as a happy idea. So where I want to make people understand each other and respect each other for human beings, even if we can disagree or do disagree on certain topics. Brain Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the award-nominated podcast, Unleash Your Supernova. This is a companion podcast to the Unleash Your Supernova book, a guide to survive and thrive as a creative entrepreneur. I am your host, Nova Lorraine, award-winning fashion designer, author, founder, as well as award-nominated producer, in addition to being a poet, advisor, actor, and mother. Just like an exploding star, we all have the ability to shine millions of times more than the sun, to expand into the greatest, brightest version of ourselves, reaching our fullest potential. I'm excited to bring you another show where storytelling comes to you at its best. I'm going to be introducing you to creatives that are doing what they love while changing the world. We'll learn words of wisdom from these wonderful rising stars from around the globe and discover how they've unleashed their superpowers. Welcome, Mentor. Hey, Nova. Well, Supernova, you are. You know, I just had to go in a little bit of detail on how I'm unleashing my Supernova. Totally. (laughs) But before we go further, let's tell the listeners a little bit about Mentor. Mentor Dial is an international professional speaker, elevator, and a multiple award-winning author specializing in leadership, branding, and transformation. As an agent of change, He's a three-time entrepreneur who has exercised 12 different mid-tiers and moved country 15 times. Minter's core career stint of 16 years was spent as a top executive at L'Oreal, where he was a member of the Worldwide Executive Committee for the Professional Products Division. He's author of the award-winning World War II story, The Last Ring Home, as well as two prize-winning business books, Future Proof, and Artificial Empathy. His latest book on leadership, You Lead, released in January 2021, and he is passionate about the Grateful Dead, paddle tennis, languages, and generating meaningful conversations. That's a lot, Mentor. I'm impressed. (laughs) Once you get older, Nova, you you rack this stuff up. (laughs) And you're racking them up, but I love how you're able to get tennis in there, some music, and I'm a lover of languages as well. So yeah, that's some good stuff. And three books? Three books, right? Did I miss? Four in total. Four books, one film. Four books, one film. Okay. Someone else is unleashing their supernova. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, before we jump in and talk about our the main topic of today, which is the magic behind names, what's in a name. I want to just enlighten our listeners that are joining us for the first time about the format of the show. So we're going to go into a couple questions that relate back to unleashing your supernova. Then we're going to dive into the topic of the day, the magic in a name. And then I'm going to give you the microphone and you can ask me whatever question you like. And we'll wrap it up with a question from our listener. Ready to go? I am. All right, let's go. So 
In the book, Unleash Your Supernova, I start the first chapter with asking why and talking about the importance of each of us understanding why we are doing what we do, right? Because we get caught up in this rat race and we get stuck in like repetition or the have to's or the expectations without even realizing why. So I'm going to ask you, because a lot of our, a lot of the guests that I bring on this show are doing incredible things. Everyone actually, they bring on the show is doing incredible things. And I'm inspired by them and their journey and their story. And I want them to also share those pearls of knowledge with our listeners. And their whys are always so fascinating to me. So I'm going to ask why, why mentor? Why do you do what you do? Why all these books? Why the film? Why the leadership? What's your why? So let me just start by saying, Nova, that I have a very precise why, mm -hmm. but it took me a while to get to it. And I think it's, it's the notion of, of getting to a why. Sometimes people think it's a flippant or maybe easy thing to get to. It, it actually takes a whole bunch of hard work, probably some tough love, a number of iterations to finally land on this comfortable place. And so for me, my why is to elevate the debate with gratitude while connecting dots, ideas, and people. Hmm. Elevate the debate with gratitude. Let's hone in on that a little bit. So what would you define the debate as being? Well, I'm constantly wanting to build bridges. So the debate is naturally two sides of a coin. And what I like to do is more than necessarily reconcile both is to bring both to a higher place. And sometimes that, of course, can stay back in the, the cesspit of two divided ideas and you can decide to disagree and so on. But notably, I often find that there's a higher plane on which we can land. And, and sometimes that means uncovering why some people are so het up on certain points actually haven't thought it through or aren't actually properly deeply connected into it. So it's sort of almost like you're making up your perspective, needing to be emotional just because, well, that feels good, but it's not necessarily who you are at the deeper level. So that's an example of how I try to elevate the debate and make people come to listen to the other better by stopping to worry so much about me, the zit on my nose, Mm. and then be able to focus on what the feelings and thoughts and words that the other person is providing. That's really interesting. So it's looking at both perspectives because usually there is a point of view and not everyone in the room is going to share the point of view. And to raise above the emotions that may be tied to a specific point of view, which create, I guess, uh, discord possibly with the two individuals or groups, multiple groups in the room. But then you bring in this word gratitude. So elevate the debate with gratitude. And usually I don't hear that paired with a debate or discord or conversation. So enlighten me. <laughs> enlighten us. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, one of my core values, I mean, I have three core values and one of them is mm -hmm. no doubt about being grateful. The other one is oneness, trying to connect people. And so mm. 
I think of it as a happy idea. So where I want to make people understand each other and respect each other for human beings, even if we can disagree or do disagree on certain topics. Mm-hmm. I'm all for debate. I'm all for differences of opinion. However, what I like to do is try to figure out how to make people respect each other and be grateful for each other's opinions, as opposed to needing one to win over the other. Mm-hmm. So the oneness happens at that higher level, where we can actually be grateful for actually the fact that we have food on our plate, where we are living in a super privileged world. Mm. And let's get over some of these little heartaches and little issues that we think are so important and get real about the first wilderness of these types of problems. And that's the type of gratitude that I want people to dial into. I love that. You brought up a point where you said you are all for debates and differences of opinions. And just the thought of being grateful for someone else's opinion, because it would be really boring, I think, if we were all wearing the same thing, doing the same thing, saying the same thing. You know what I'm saying? I mean, how do you grow from that and to realize that every opportunity and every conversation is an opportunity for growth. So just being grateful for that. It doesn't matter if you agree or disagree, if they agree or disagree with what you're saying, but, oh, that's different. That's going to make me think a little more, or it's going to make me reflect on this thing over here, or it's going to make me go and research this topic over here, or start a new conversation with someone else. You know, there's always good that comes from everything, I believe. And I, and I just love the thought of adding gratitude into your conversations. Like before you even step into the conversation, just be grateful that you are having this debate. And yeah, no, it's cool. It's a different, I just haven't heard that put together before and wanted to expand on that. So thank you. It's my little thing. Yeah, I'm liking the little thing. <laughs> it's a big thing, actually. So another thing I wanted to explore with you is you have an incredible journey that we just took a peek into you as an author you know a an athlete and someone who's an enthusiast as it relates to sports you are a filmmaker you are a leader a speaker so all these incredible things that you've accomplished and are still doing was there a moment that you were really sure on your path where you pivoted 360. And I talk about this in the in my book where I say, know when to quit, know when to pivot. And, it's, and so I want to know, is there a time that you can share with us where you were like, nope, this is what I'm going to do. And you were like trotting down this path and there was nothing that was going to take you off this path. And then out of nowhere, something landed in front of you, which caused you to pivot for the greater good of you. Well, so I would have to say that the first 35 years of my life, I'm 57 as we speak, I was kind of on a traditional track. Mm -hmm. I thought education was the way. I thought big schools, good names of schools was the path, working in corporate life, being challenged, doing well, gaining extrinsic success was the whole thing. And and yeah, and I'm not afraid or ashamed to have been traditional in that capacity. I mean, I did study trilingual literature and women's studies at university 
And then as I I wobbled out of my corporate world every night, where I'd wear a tie by day, but I'd wear a tie die by night. <laughs> I always had this other me that was far more creative. I, I wrote a, a novel that's unpublished when I was younger, a book of about 200 poems like you, poet. Mm. I used to love photography, and yet I was working in an investment bank. Mm. And then I said, well, basically I wanted to do something different. So I did a startup and I wanted to say, hey, listen, I've been corporate. Now I want to learn what it is like to be a real entrepreneur. So I bought into a company that had just started and it was a travel agency for musicians based in Washington, D.C. And so here is a guy who already at the age of 25 already had an assistant, was big titles, big swinging, you know what? And I come into this place where I have to make my own coffee, gosh darn. And we had to make business and I had to create the brand and so on. Anyway, I learned a whole lot of things and failed with flying colors <laughs> within two years. <laughs> learned just a bunch along the way and then needed to straighten out. So I ended up at L'Oreal. And here's where I... I go through 10 years of, of following the track. I was fast-tracked. I was considered what they call a high potential. At the age of 33, I was given the role of running a company worldwide called Redken. Mm, yep. And it was in the year 2000. And no sooner had I taken it over, and we came in, to, and Redken, for those of you who don't know, it is a professional hair company for hairdressers. And it's undersigned by the DNA of New York City. Everything we do was, is New York. And, and all our images would have iconic elements of New York. So come the 11th of September, 2001, I'm looking out my window and I see the second airplane flying down into the South Tower. And I'm realizing that things are, I've just turned upside down. Mm -hmm. Outside of the fact that I had some friends, four friends who ended up dying mm -hmm. and experiencing that in the most gritty, granular way that anyone who was in New York also had, I then realized that we selling shampoos, it's not that exciting. Mm. And so I, and I can't say I overnight it, and I certainly didn't, well, 360 degrees kind of gets you back to where you started. But if, I, if you imagine I, I wanted to pivot Mm -hmm. change course. It wasn't something I just flipped a switch and I said, all right, new direction, northeast, nor northeast. Right. It was a, huh, this is some big shit here. I need to figure things out. And I hadn't really figured out my whole north, my why. Mm -hmm. And uh, But it set me on the path to do so. And here's the interesting thing, Nova. Mm -hmm. I started off by thinking I wanted to really lean into it for the brand, for the company. Yeah. Because that's what I was leading. Yeah. But actually what I need to do was to do it at a personal level within me. And then I felt more at peace, if you will, or at one with the company and the business I was in. And that's where it gets much more interesting. Oh, I love that. The very last thing you said hit home for me where you said that you wanted to lean in for the brand and the company and then realize it had to start with you. I feel that so much of what we do, and you mentioned it, you know, extrinsic success earlier in your story as well. So much of what we do is for the external rewards or expectations that we have 
just taken on as this is what we need to do to be loved or to feel good or happy. And then the more we move in that space, the less we feel fulfilled. And I do believe that we it does start with us. I mean, everything starts with us. And it's not in a negative way in terms of, oh, being selfish because I'm focused on me. The point is, if you aren't focused on filling your well, then that well runs dry and you have nothing to give. And what ends up happening is you're expressing anger or sadness and or aggression because you're just running low, like your well is low, there's nothing left. But if you're overflowing because you've focused on yourself and and you've put that time and energy into you and you've led from a place of within, then you are the source to that well. You are filling that well and it can do nothing else but overflow. So you have abundance in everything that you're giving. It's happiness, it's money, it's health, it's knowledge, it's whatever it is that you decide to focus on. You're now abundant in those things. And so I love that. And I feel your comment about walking the traditional path, the big schools, the big names, you know, in terms of the companies you work for or where you get educated, like that's what's important. It's a perfect segue into the topic of the magic in names. Your name, mentor, dial, <laughs> in and of itself, <laughs> cannot be forgotten. And when, you know, when I first came across your name, I was so curious. It's like, mentor, I've never heard of that name before. And I want to know the story on how he got this name. And it's just a beautiful name. And I want to talk about the magic behind names and how that ties into your story and where you are now. So thank you, first of all, for the nice compliment. Uh, certainly, um, Google likes my name. It helps to have a weird combination of names for your own URL and, and such. Here's the thing, and it's similar to my last thing, my last statement, which is that I was a pretty gormless noodlehead most of my younger years, and I just didn't bother to think about it. Of course, I knew I had this weird name. Everyone would always tell me, so... It was obvious that, hey, where's Minter from? Well, it's from my family name. And I kind of left it at that. And, and it took a completely out of the blue telephone call for me to wake up. Hmm. And so here's the point that sometimes the wake up call, you can run over it. You can miss it yep. <laughs> if you are not open to it. That's so true. This telephone call... I was, I told you about the time I was at the travel agency called the Myriad Group. And there I was in my office and this, my assistant says, hey, hey, Minter, there's a telephone call for you. And I grabbed the telephone. I say, hi, this is Minter Dial. Can I, can I help you? Are you really Minter Dial? Uh, yes, of course I am. You're Nathaniel Minter Dial? Absolutely. Yeah, I'm Nathaniel Minter Dial. But usually people never talk about Nathaniel because everyone, all the males in my family up until me, always had the middle name be the name. Everything is Nathaniel something dial. So if called something, that's what you were, we called you by. So when she said Nathaniel, yeah, that's me. That's definitely me. And they're not two of us. And then I said, well, actually, that's not exactly true. I, I did have a grandfather. I was named exactly after him, but he died 50 years later. And that was the person she was looking for. 
I was like, oh my gosh, you need to update your record books. Well, she said, I couldn't believe it because I saw your, the name in the newspaper and I assumed it must be him because how many Nathaniel Minter dials can there be? <laughs> right. And yeah, well, so that was the opening. And I said, oh my gosh. And before she hung up, I was able to extract from her what she was hoping to do and what she was looking for, why she was looking for my grandfather. And with Grace, she helped me connect with nine of his classmates from high school who graduated in 1928. So we're talking quite a long time back. And that began me on the journey to understand who was my grandfather and where did my name actually come from? I mean, materially, who were the people? How did it come around? What was the history? And what did it mean for me? Right. And we had earlier discussions and you had mentioned the book, the story and the book that you wrote. And of course I had to get it and read it. And as I shared with you, I was so inspired, so many levels from the story. And I wouldn't even have been introduced to the book if I didn't ask you about your name. And I said, well, how did you get your name? And you said, read the book. (laughs) (laughs) And I was still so curious. I was like, okay, I have to read this book. And there is so much power in names. You have a unique name, my name, Nova Lorraine. It's really shaped who I am from a very young age with the response I would hear as a young child as I would say my name. And, but then also having worked for L'Oreal, I'm in the fashion space and creative space, us both being creatives and artists, we know how important a name is. It starts that story, just like you were sharing this story journey that started of your grandfather that you didn't even know until someone called you because you can't be another person other than who we're looking for because your name is so unique. And so I do have always believed in the power of a name, the magic behind a name, from the psychology behind it, but then the history and storytelling that comes from it. Beyond your personal name and personal story, having worked in the fashion space or as an author and public speaker, what else can you share about the magic or power that goes within a name? So I suppose it's really the stories that color the name. Mm. At some level, any word, you know, Hovis, Nike, can be powerful. Mm -hmm. And it really takes crafting experiences and stories around it to make it come alive. Because, you know, Nike, otherwise, frankly, you know, if I just, if you asked me Nike, I wouldn't have said yes right away. I didn't even think it looks like Pikey. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point. What is it? But in our imagination, it's all sorts of stuff now. I mean, Michael Jordan or whatever, whoosh. Mm-hmm. So I, as a marketer, I, I was specifically in L'Oreal, oftentimes on the brand creation side. And we were oftentimes creating names. And and part of the, the issues comes down to what are the alternative meanings of words and whether it's legal, I is it uh, trademarkable, trademarked already? Mm-hmm. And now, of course, it's whether you can get the URL. But we're always looking to find names that are significant, that signify things. And otherwise, you know, you can still, out of a normal name, make something significant. Mm-hmm. And that's the craft of a marketer, to make something that's valuable, significant and valuable. 
That's right. Yeah, that's a good point. Nike, which is I always reference Nike as a brand to inspire, you know, creatives because who in the world that <laughs> at least is tapped into any media has not heard of Nike and they've done such a great job in taking this word that initially meant nothing and turning it into you can do anything and look at Apple which is before the computer company just something we ate but now it represents sleekness mod- creativity forward thinking beauty technology and this was something that started off as a fruit <laughs> mm-hmm. Ralph Lauren who i think is a genius marketer created a lifestyle out of the sport a fashion brand out of a sport brought american luxury to life through his polo brand so i think for creative entrepreneurs they really should take the time to research pull in the story learn the psychology behind the name they're using for their brands and when i meet someone and they tell me uh, the name of their brand my brain all automatically goes into ooh is that stick do i like it do i not and i think everyone does that when you hear a name of anything it's either going to attract you emotionally or not and i feel that a lot of individuals throw out a name for one reason or another or grab a name for one reason or another but may not go the extra mile in how much power that name can have and the magic and those the combination of those letters and the sound and all of that but to your point it's also about the story you craft around that name right like google what did it mean before mm-hmm. it became a company and they created the story around it big lot of numbers the gogol yeah when i was running redkin first there's an interesting couple of things first of all you have the word that comes out of my mouth but there's the person who's delivering the word and that vehicle is also part of the brand mm. and so the the location the experience that comes around it and one of the things that i prided myself on when i was running redkin was to tell the founder story so to lean into it cuz r e d k e n you know whatever well actually it had a whole sense of significance at a just a, a word level then two words were a combination of the two founders Paula Paula Kent and John Redding so Redding mm. and Ken so they combined those two names in the beginning it was r e small d big k e n and so the, you know it was almost obvious but then it eventually molded into one specific word what does that brand mean uh-huh and the the challenge we have in our businesses is coming up with a meaning and in fact i think this is sort of nova what a lot of people miss in life is actually the meaning of things you talk about the magic what does it mean what does my life mean what does why do i exist how is the world going to be better off thanks to me and in this case my brand Mhm. And once you can answer that question, the other the question I always like to ask is how would the world be worse off without you? Oh, I love that. I really I'm just like, oh, I want to answer the question. I want to just sit and think thinking. Good. How would the world be worse? I am going to use that and I'm going to share it with as many people. Wow. Do. 
Because here's the, when you're dealing with running a business, you want to be an entrepreneur and you need to come up with something that's different and valuable. You know, let's say, well, I want to have a blue orange, you know, blue colored orange. Well, it's different, but where's the value in that? Why is that valuable? Well, it turns out, you know, and I'm going to craft a story out of nowhere, that these blue oranges come from uh, Zimbabwe. And in Zimbabwe, they have this weird tree that's where the ground is all blue, and, and that's why these make these blue oranges. Okay. And then they're more tasty and so on and so forth. So you have to create a story around it. So you need to find a, a story that makes you different and valuable. And in that value, how you are making the world a better place. And when I say world, I can also mean the world in your household, the world on your street, your town, your city, your state, your country, the world is as big as you want it to dimension because we're not all here to be Mahatma Gandhi like we all have dimensions that are appropriate for us. And it's up to us to define that. So how are you different and what is the value you're providing? Yeah, I love that. And also I haven't heard world be used like that before and that's really going to stick with me. And I'm going to share that. <laughs> Another thing I'm going to take and share. Nice. Yeah. Like we don't, all of us aren't here to impact a global community, but you could define that community and that community may be just in your household. Right. And it may be just in your neighborhood and then you can expand from there. So I think that's really important because I feel that, you know, as an entrepreneur, the entrepreneurs that are highlighted most are individuals who've made a global impact. You know, the Richard Bransons of the world and the Steve Jobs of the world. And so individuals are looking towards these figures that are always mentioned in the media, as opposed to maybe the individual across the street and how that really wonderful neighbor is changing the neighborhood in a good way. And so just to realize that your world can be as micro as you want it to be also takes a lot of fear out of us acting when we are choosing that name or the meaning or the story. You know, when you bring it back to what's really important to you, you know, going back to leaning into yourself. So I thought that was really great as well. Awesome. One, so just to finish, one other thought, Nova, out of that is that Certainly for me, when I talk about elevating the debate, I really, I think of it at this sort of smaller level. And actually before that, there's this other point, which is you need to start with yourself. Mm -hmm. Don't go around fixing the rest of the world's problems if you haven't fixed yourself. And there's two reasons for that. First of all, you're not going to have the full integrity with regard to the ability to fix everyone else's because you're not walking in the shoes properly. You're trying to fix everyone else, but you haven't fixed yourself. So it's like, you do that. You do that. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. What about me? And secondly, and here's the point that you certainly will recognize, which is that once you are full into yourself and have your why, what you're doing brings back energy to you. Mm. And so then you know why you're doing stuff. And I'm far more interested in moving the dial at a smaller pace and a smaller dimension than looking for the huge unicorn, big payoff, Steve Jobsian stuff. I think there are a few of those. 
And I would argue that a lot of them necessarily lose some of their humanness along the way, Zuckerberg and so on. Mm. I'm more interested in trying to raise a little bit more humanity within the smaller groups. So the people listening here, and I don't mean to belittle the people who are listening here, but to think that we count as well. And by moving all of us, a small portion, we can make the world a better place. Then rather than hit the one one out of the park, Homer run, they call it home run, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what I, I spend my time doing. And I don't feel bad about the fact that I'm not reaching billions of people. I feel, in fact, reinforced when I get that message from somebody I've never heard of. But just, you know, that those small messages count for me in huge volumes. Wow, I love that. And I'm so glad you share that. One, it it resonates with me, but also I feel with the entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs that are listening, it's so important for them to hear that as well. And it's okay to move slowly. It's okay to impact one person at a time. I deal with a lot of podcasters and I was just on a call last week and one of our hosts on the Pink Kangaroo Podcast Network that I founded earlier this year, she had over, I don't know, 2,000 listeners and she wasn't happy. And she increased her listenership by over 200%. And we really wanted to make a, um, a point to her, like one, celebrate the small victories. Actually, this wasn't even a small victory. It was a huge victory. And two, this is a great accomplishment because you're reaching 2000 people with your message. And so I think in whatever field, we tend to compare ourselves with that unicorn, as you mentioned. So the Joe Rogan in the podcast world, well, he has X number of millions of listeners. I only have 2000. No, it's not about that. And he took his steps as well. You know, he took his baby steps and he wasn't one day launching a show the next day at 3 million listeners, but that's not even the point. The point is you're reaching so many people right now and to appreciate that. And where most podcasters can't get past 10 or 12 listeners and even 10 or 12 listeners, those are 10 or 12 people that are coming to you every week or every other week, getting full from your knowledge and your message and your words of wisdom. And that's important because you don't know who those 10 people are. Those 10 people can be going out and touching 10,000 people, right? And so I love that message that you're sharing with us is to focus back in on leaning into yourself, be okay with those small incremental movements and the positivity that you're doing or the impact that you're making. Really, really appreciate you sharing that. My pleasure. Well, I think this is a perfect time to hand you the mic and let you play host (laughs) for the next segment of the show. So you can ask me whatever you want. Right. Well, let's start with uh, Nova. So the Nova, as I can imagine, really means new. And I'm wondering to what extent new is part of your zeitgeistism, or at least maybe what is your relationship with the word new? I absolutely love that question, and no one's ever asked me that before, so I take a second to think. I do believe we grow into our names, step into our names. For me, I get bored easily, so I'm always looking for ways to make a new of what I'm doing and to change and evolve as a person, as an individual, 
If I create something, I want to make it better. I want to bring some newness to what I'm doing. I love change and I love futurism, like what's coming, what's new, what hasn't been discovered yet. I love those things as well. And I love meeting new people. <laughs> I love trying new things and new foods and <laughs> experiences. So it's literally everything about me. I never thought about it in that way, but I feel that every day I subconsciously, intuitively, and sometimes intentionally try to become new as a person, as an individual, and seeing the world through a new lens. And each of those little things I do allow me to be more excited every day for the next day. Second question for you, Nova, is with regard to this notion of the ever-bursting, unleashing energy star. And it kind of conjures up for me an enormous amount of energy, this huge explosion that's coming out. Yet, do I feel power in silence? Where does silence fit in the supernova? Oh, another really great question. I believe this. it starts with the silence. You know, I think that in order to get to that point of explosion of energy and expanding into this ever great version of ourselves, it starts with silence because if we're distracted, if there's a lot of noise, if there's a lot of confusion, it's really hard to get to that why as we talked about, to really understand who we are, what we really want to do. When I ask the question to people, what do you love to do? Not what do you love to do, but if you can choose anything you want to do, what would that be? And most people are silent for a long time and not for the reason of introspection, but they just haven't taken time to really think about it. They're just doing. And I think if we took the moment to just sit and say and ask, who am I? Why am I here? What do I want? Like just to answer those three things, because a lot of why we're doing things, what we want is dictated based on where we're born, who we're born to, this cultural rules, and not coming from a place of within. So I believe the silence to get to that supernova is where it begins. And the more we do that, the more we get that insight and that understanding. And I was just having a conversation yesterday with a friend and he mentioned a quote from Mark Twain. I believe he said it was Mark Twain. And, he, and Mark Twain said, there are the two most important dates or yeah, days of our days of our lives is the day we're born and the day we figure out why. <laughs> so if we don't take that moment to be silent, how are we ever going to even answer that question? And what I do now as of late is if I need an answer or a solution, I just sit in silence because the minute I, you know, I come up with all the reasons or ways that it could be resolved, but then that just continues to spin into 10 million other ways. And so I bring it back to just silence and I just sit. I ask the question and I sit. And a lot of times if we do that, we are inspired with the answer. We are seeing the answer like comes to us. 
it allows that creativity to start moving. And a lot of times we have that inner knowing, but we're not quiet enough or still enough to tap into that. And that inner knowing is part of that supernova that's within us. And that's why we have to unleash it. But part of the unleashing, the process, is being in that silence. To add to that, maybe sometimes being silent, you can listen better. So you can listen to your own body, your emotions, your heartbeat. That's right. You can also just be present and listen to what others are saying. And that might be the you know the key to unlocking certain things. Like, what does a customer really want? Or, oh, they're just complaining again. Damn it, stupid customer. Hmm. Or be silent, listen, and be grateful about the advice and words that are coming out because they might be the ability to, to improve what you're providing as a service or a product. So true. So so true. So this is a great time to get to a question from our listeners. And the question is, outside of the four books you've authored, what is your favorite book and why? Hmm. Well, I just written a blog post about Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning, mm. which has been a sort of a, a profound book. Oh, gosh. As a literary guy, I always I like to refer back to The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. The book I'm going to say to try to be a little bit less conventional is uh, the book by a chap called Johan Hari. And his book is called Lost Connections. Mm. So Johan Hari is an English journalist, has spent the majority of his adult life depressed or clinically diagnosed as such. Yet he feels that all the recipes, medications that we tend to provide have not done him service. And instead, what we should be focusing on is how to reconnect. And he describes in his book the seven different ways you can reconnect, whether it's the nature, with your friends, with yourself. I found it a, a most wholesome book. As you know, I like to be in connections. But the, his honesty, that therefore vulnerability, mm. makes it all the more readable. Even if he's a British journalist, he has humility. And the story, I think, resonates. As you, of course, talk about it, burnout in your book and energy he's looking at this notion of depression which mm. is you know where people sleeping too long and are in total lack of energy and direction anyway so that's the book that i i feel like i can recommend easiest i read about a, a book every other day so you can imagine wow I, they're, there's they're crumbling through my mind as i speak yeah every other day Oof. <laughs> Maybe a book a week, a book every two weeks, every other day. That's incredible. I love it. Used to be a book a day, but... And and I definitely noted both of those books that you mentioned. So thank you. And I really, really enjoyed having you today. And I could easily go on chatting for at least another hour with all of what we've shared already. But I want to thank you so much, Mentor, for joining me and sharing all the words of wisdom with our listeners as well. And... How can our listeners stay in touch with you? What's the best way? Well, Nova, first of all, thank you for having me on the show. Pleasure to share with you and to feel your energy um, and therefore to get some of it in my space. So I am 
pretty much available on most channels. You can find Minter Dial, which is my main site, and you can find my books, my podcasts, my blogging, and so on there. And then on socials, I try to be out there. I'm pretty active on Twitter. M-Dial, M-D-I-A-L, which one, I mean, many years ago, of course, I figured this out, but actually it's the short word for Mundial in Spanish. So whenever there's like a big football match, I get my name is shouted in vain (laughs) across Twitter. Fortunately, it's not about me. But otherwise, yeah, I'm uh, available on Instagram at M-Dial and I have my own channel on YouTube and such like. So easy to find me thanks to this Google-friendly name that I have. Yeah, really easy. So what is the name of your podcast so our listeners know how to find you in the podcast world as well? Well, speaking of the magic of names, I um, didn't have to go far to come up with a an idea for the name of my podcast. It's called Minter Dialogue because <laughs> I'm all about wanting to create meaningful conversations. And that's what I try to do week in, week out on my podcast. And for those who parlez français, I have a French language podcast, which Ooh. is also called Minter Dialogue. So you don't have to translate that, but it's all in French with interesting French personalities from Canada, uh, French-speaking Africa, and La France, of course. Oh, fun. Yeah, those are where I am. Evergreen Podcast Network uh, that we are. Yes, I love it. I love it. Thank you so much. And for our listeners, if you haven't gotten a copy yet of the Unleash Your Supernova book, what are you waiting for? Go and get it today. Choose your favorite bookstore. It could be Amazon, Books A Million, Barnes & Noble, whatever suits you. It's there. Get the book. Learn how to increase your creativity, beat burnout, and joyfully survive the journey of creative entrepreneurship. No more excuses. And if you love the book, please share with a friend. And again, I am so grateful to have my wonderful guest, Mentor Dial, with me, as well as other guests who've been on previous episodes of Unleash Your Supernova. I'm Nova Lorraine. Thank you for joining me. And my show is also brought to you by the Evergreen Podcast Network, as well as the Pink Kangaroo Podcast Network. Remember to subscribe and share so you don't miss any episodes of Unleash Your Supernova and continue unleashing your superpowers. Bye. Bye. Bye.